Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into The Coddling of the American Mind, a thought provoking exploration into the contemporary landscape of American higher education. Published in 2018, this book dissects the cultural and academic shifts on U.S. college campuses, challenging the sensationalism often found in media coverage. Through a blend of psychological theory and extensive research, authors Greg Lukianoff and Jonathan Haidt unveil how changes in university life signal deeper issues affecting both students and society at large. Greg Lukianoff, serving as the CEO and president of the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, FIRE, brings his expertise in free speech advocacy to the text, adding depth from his previous works like Freedom from Speech and Unlearning Liberty. Jonathan Haidt, recognized for his role as the Thomas Cooley Professor of Ethical Leadership at New York University's Stern School of Business, contributes his insightful analysis from authoring The Righteous Mind and The Happiness Hypothesis. Together, they create a compelling narrative that examines the roots and ramifications of a culture seeking to shield students from discomfort. The coddling of the American mind is essential reading for a wide audience, including those scratching their heads at the complexities of campus politics, parents navigating the college years with their children, and citizens concerned by the growing divides in political discourse. If you're seeking to understand the dynamics shaping today's academic climates, and their impact on societal discourse. Tune in to this episode for a concise, enlightening summary. The Coddling of the American Mind, How Good Intentions and Bad Ideas Are Setting Up a Generation for Failure. Introduction, Navigating the Storm, how overprotection fuels campus chaos. Imagine stepping onto a college campus, expecting a place of learning, debate, and intellectual freedom. Instead, you find yourself in the midst of uproar. Professors are targeted with vitriolic complaints for their teaching content. Invited speakers face vehement opposition or are outrightly canceled. And student activism increasingly tips into violence. This scenario, far from fictional, sketches the troubling dynamics unfolding across U.S. universities today. But what's at the root of this unsettling transformation? This narrative explores the underpinnings of the current state of American campuses, centering around the critical role that overprotection has played in shaping young American minds. Through a deep dive into the psychology and societal shifts behind these developments, the discussion uncovers the unintended consequences of what was initially intended as caring and protection. The insights gained reveal a landscape much more complex than the sensational headlines suggest. To unravel this complexity, let's embark on a journey that mirrors steps toward understanding. We'll kick off with an unlikely analogy between allergy prevention and campus politics. Just as studies have shown that early exposure to allergens like peanuts can strengthen children's resistance to allergies, the narrative suggests that exposure to diverse and challenging ideas strengthens students' mental resilience. Sheltering students from such intellectual challenges, it argues, does the opposite, leaving them fragile and more prone to offense. Turning to history, 
the narrative draws an interesting parallel between the Cold War era and today's political climate. Surprisingly, it claims that the tension and clear opposition between the U.S. and the USSR had a unifying effect on American politics, fostering a sense of shared identity and purpose. Fast forward to today, and the lack of a clear other seems to have fragmented American society, with this division seeping into the fabric of college life. The consequences of overprotection extend to the realm of personal growth, as evidenced by colleges that have taken the extraordinary step of banning students from discussing their personal problems with peers, ostensibly to protect them from emotional distress. This approach, while well-intentioned, inadvertently robs students of the opportunity to navigate difficulties, build resilience, and forge deeper connections with their peers. Through examining these facets, from the allergy analogy to historical political dynamics to restrictive campus policies, the narrative offers a compelling look at how overprotection is not just coddling, but actively undermining the very principles of growth, resilience, and open debate that education aims to foster. The takeaway. The path to truly empowering young adults lies not in sheltering them from the world's complexities and challenges, but in preparing them to engage with these issues head-on, armed with critical thinking, empathy, and resilience. Part 1. The Peanut Paradox. Why challenges are crucial for youth resilience. Gone are the days when peanut butter and jelly sandwiches were staples of lunchboxes across the United States. A shift occurred in the mid-1990s. Schools began banishing peanuts to prevent the risk of allergic reactions among children. It seemed like an obvious solution to a growing public health concern, but a groundbreaking study in 2015 suggested that such well-intentioned measures could be to blame for the rise in peanut allergies. The crux of the matter? Exposure is essential for developing tolerance and strength. This principle doesn't just apply to allergens it's equally relevant when considering the development of young minds. In recent years, American college campuses have become hotbeds of what's been dubbed safetyism, a cultural shift towards valuing safety above all, to the extent that it often includes sheltering individuals from ideological challenges and uncomfortable feelings. What began as a movement to safeguard physical well-being has expanded into a campaign against intellectual discomfort, resulting in a climate where dissenting voices and challenging ideas are increasingly viewed as threats to student safety. Therein lies the peanut paradox, the notion that shielding young people from life's challenges doesn't fortify them. It hinders their ability to develop the resilience and strength they'll inevitably need as adults. Much like the immune system's need for early exposure to allergens to build tolerance, Young adults must confront and engage with diverse viewpoints and difficult scenarios to grow stronger and more capable of handling adversity. Since the advent of safetyism around 2014, the academic landscape has transformed significantly. Educational institutions, driven by a desire to protect students from harm, have inadvertently fostered an environment where the mere presence of contrary opinions is enough to sound alarms. This expanded definition of safety encompassing not just physical harm but emotional discomfort, has enabled the suppression of free speech and debate under the guise of protecting student well-being. But what constitutes real strength? Is it the ability to navigate a world that's been carefully sanitized of any dissent and discomfort, 
or the resilience born of grappling with and overcoming life's inherent challenges, there's a growing body of evidence to suggest that, much like with peanuts, avoiding adversity doesn't equip young people for the future. It incapacitates them. Consider the young individual who has been shielded from every potential source of stress or disagreement throughout their formative years. As they step into adulthood, laden with responsibilities and inevitable hardships, their lack of prior exposure to challenges leaves them ill-prepared. Life, with its unpredictability and spectrum of emotions, demands resilience, a quality best nurtured through confronting difficulties head-on. The move towards excessive protection on college campuses, while rooted in the desire to ensure students' safety, overlooks a fundamental aspect of human development. It's through facing and overcoming adversity that individuals build the strength and resilience needed to navigate the complexities of adult life. The peanut paradox serves as a poignant reminder that true safety lies not in avoidance, but in resilience. Part two, the dangerous game of mind reading on college campuses. Picture a day on campus. You're rushing to your next class when suddenly someone steps on your foot. Instantly, you're flinching in pain, but your annoyance quickly fades when it's clear the act was accidental. Now, imagine if you believed the action was deliberate. Your entire reaction changes, doesn't it? Anger, indignation, and probably a confrontation follow. This scenario is a small-scale example of a significant issue plaguing college campuses today. The tendency to assume the worst intentions in others. This reflex to interpret actions negatively doesn't just lead to a fleeting moment of tension. It escalates conflicts and darkens the atmosphere campus-wide. When students leap to the most hostile conclusion about someone's motives, they engage in a form of cognitive distortion, allowing their emotions to hijack their reasoning faculties and cast the world in an unjustly malicious light. One potent example of this is the discourse around microaggressions. Coined to describe the subtle, often unconscious affronts that minority groups face regularly, the concept of microaggressions sheds light on the pervasive nature of discrimination. Initially, the concept served to highlight that not all racist or discriminatory actions are overt, encouraging mindfulness and respect in interactions. However, as the definition of microaggressions expanded to include unintended slights, a precarious situation emerged. According to Columbia University professor Derald Wing Sue, the intention behind a statement or action is irrelevant if it can be interpreted as offensive. For instance, calling America a melting pot can be seen as a microaggression, interpreted as an insistence that minorities assimilate into the dominant culture, regardless of the speaker's true intent. But what happens when we constantly suspect malice in those around us? Far from fostering an environment of understanding and growth, this mindset breeds mistrust, hostility, and division. Students trained to perceive ambiguity in the worst possible light not only suffer unnecessary distress, but also risk alienating allies by attributing to them unfounded bigotry. This is not to say that genuine microaggressions don't exist or that concerns about discrimination should be dismissed. Rather, the call is for a more nuanced approach, one that encourages a pause to consider intentions and context before jumping to conclusions. Knee-jerk reactions based on the assumption of ill will 
only served to exacerbate campus tensions, creating a climate where dialogue and growth are stifled by suspicion. To navigate the complexities of campus life, and indeed life beyond, adopting a stance of charitable interpretation can be transformative. Allowing for the possibility that an offense might be unintentional opens the door to dialogue, understanding, and ultimately, reconciliation. By resisting the impulse to condemn and instead seeking to understand, students can help foster a campus culture where genuine inclusivity and respect are paramount. Part 3 How Campus Politics Fuels Divisive Tribal Mentality. At the core of human psychology, lies a primordial inclination to think in tribes. This reflex, a vestige of our evolutionary past, drives us to instinctively favor those within our group while viewing outsiders with suspicion or outright hostility. Though civilization and culture have worked to mitigate these tribal tendencies, enabling humans to coexist peacefully with diverse groups, certain dynamics, especially in the realm of campus politics, seem to be reigniting these ancient flames of division. Campus politics, perhaps unintentionally, has become a breeding ground for a form of tribalism that is particularly corrosive, the tribalism of common enemy identity politics. In its essence, this variant of identity politics is not simply an affirmation of a group's specific characteristics or challenges, but a rallying cry against a perceived collective adversary. This shift away from recognizing shared humanity towards focusing on mutual opposition has profound implications for the social fabric of campuses. Consider the instance of a Latino student who, in 2017, penned an op-ed for the Texas State University newspaper under a provocative headline that seemed to call for the eradication of white DNA as a path to liberation. While the author clarified that the intention was to critique the social and political dominance of white individuals, not advocate for violence, the piece nevertheless struck a chord of deep division. Reactions were swift and severe, ranging from hate mail to death threats, underscoring the volatile nature of such discourse. This incident is emblematic of a larger trend in which campuses have become arenas where ideological battles are fought with an unsettling zeal. The concept of intersectionality, for example, offers a nuanced framework for understanding how different forms of discrimination intersect, providing valuable insights into the unique experiences of marginalized individuals. However, in certain interpretations, it has morphed into a tool for mapping an us-versus-them battlefield, where privilege is equated with oppression, and individuals are categorized as either oppressors or victims based on their group identity. Such perspectives, while rooted in genuine grievances against systemic injustices, can inadvertently reinforce a binary worldview that sees conflict as inevitable and reconciliation as impossible. By framing social dynamics in terms of inherent opposition between groups, this approach to identity politics strengthens tribal divisions making it increasingly difficult for individuals to engage in meaningful dialogue and mutual understanding. The challenge facing campuses today is not merely one of ideological disagreements, but of how these disagreements are framed and fought. Emphasizing our common enemies over our shared humanity does not just affect campus climate. 
it risks exacerbating societal divisions at large. In navigating these turbulent waters, the goal should be to foster a campus culture that encourages empathy, understanding, and the recognition that the complexity of human experiences defies simplistic categorizations. Only by transcending this divisive tribal mentality can we hope to build a more inclusive and understanding academic community. Part 4. A Night of Unprecedented Chaos Unraveling the Escalation on College Campuses One might recall the evening of February 1, 2017, as a striking turning point in the realm of campus politics. The scene was UC Berkeley, known for its historical significance in student activism. The plan was for Milo Yiannopoulos, a polarizing figure in right-wing commentary, to take the stage. But what unfolded was far from a standard collegiate debate or protest. Historically, U.S. college campuses have been sites of vibrant, albeit contentious, political engagement. However, the level of turmoil and violence that emerged that night deviated sharply from protest norms. Rioters, armed with Molotov cocktails and professional fireworks, unleashed unprecedented violence against law enforcement and attendees, leaving behind a trail of destruction and a hefty repair bill estimated at half a million dollars. This incident sharply highlighted a concerning shift in the atmosphere of college campuses, where politics, once characterized by spirited debate, had veered into dangerously violent territory. Key to understanding this escalation is the evolving interpretation of violence itself. Over the years, the term has stretched beyond its traditional confines to encompass not just physical assault, but also speech perceived as aggressively offensive. Under this expansive definition, Milo Yiannopoulos's controversial rhetoric was framed as not merely provocative, but as an act of violence, warranting what some saw as defensive counterviolence. This redefinition of violence as including certain forms of speech is part of a broader transformation in how safety and harm are conceptualized on campuses, blurring lines between emotional discomfort and physical danger. As a result, actions that would previously have been condemned as indefensible violence are now, in some quarters, seen as justified acts of self-defense against verbal aggression. This siege mentality has not been reserved for controversial guest speakers alone. Academic professionals, too, find themselves navigating a minefield of potential offense, where an errant word or unpopular opinion can trigger severe backlash. This is vividly illustrated by the experience of law professors Amy Wax and Larry Alexander, their article lamenting the decline of bourgeois values and suggesting not all cultures equally prepare individuals for success in advanced economies ignited a storm of controversy. Instead of engaging in academic debate, their detractors swiftly labeled the professor's views as emblematic of wider systemic oppressions, effectively shutting down dialogue. In an era where the exchange of ideas should thrive, campus culture has shifted significantly. The growing inclination to censor or retaliate rather than engage with challenging viewpoints reflects a departure from the intellectual rigor once celebrated in academic environments. As incidents of violence and silencing become more commonplace, the question looms. How can campuses return to being venues of robust, respectful dialogue 
amidst such polarized times. Part 5, The Deepening Divide, Understanding the Shift in U.S. Political Landscape Feeling like every headline and news cycle is fuel to the fire of anger and division? You're not alone. The sentiment that U.S. politics are becoming increasingly adversarial isn't just a feeling. It's a reality reflected in the data, the media, and our daily interactions. This pervasive atmosphere of contention offers some context for the unrest and polarization seen on college campuses and beyond. The fact of the matter is, U.S. politics is growing markedly more adversarial. Research, particularly from the Pew Research Center, puts numbers to this intuition. To quantify the ideological gap, Pew looks at the political attitudes across the spectrum annually. Back in 2004, the difference in viewpoints between Republicans and Democrats was significant, marked by 17 percentage points. Fast forward to 2017, and that gap has widened to 36 points, an astonishing jump of 110% in just over a decade. This isn't just a widening gap. It's a chasm that signifies a shift from disagreement to deep-seated division. What's fueling this growing divide? There's a notable change in what drives political engagement. Historically, American voters were drawn into the political fray by a genuine belief in their party's principles and the positive change they hoped it would bring. Yet, recent trends suggest a pivot towards negative partisanship, a scenario where disdain for the opposing side outweighs allegiance to one's own party. This transformation has politics morphing into a battleground of animosities rather than a marketplace of ideas. Several factors contribute to this escalation in political animosity. The dissolution of a unifying external threat such as the USSR marked a turning point. Without a common adversary, Americans' attention turned inward, magnifying domestic differences and nurturing a sphere of internal conflict. Simultaneously, the digital revolution has fundamentally altered how news is consumed and disseminated. Gone are the days of shared experiences via three national television channels. The 2010S heralded an era where personalized news feeds on platforms like Facebook and Twitter reigned supreme. While these advancements in technology and media have their benefits, they also facilitate echo chambers, digital silos, where like-minded voices amplify each other and drown out dissent. The result is an environment where common ground shrinks and misunderstanding and mistrust grow. This backdrop of intensifying partisanship and the social media echo chamber phenomena doesn't just explain the current state of U.S. politics, it also mirrors the tensions rippling through college campuses. As the political climate veers towards adversarial extremes, the fabric of dialogue and debate, critical components of a healthy democracy and educational environment, is stretched thin. Understanding these dynamics is the first step toward bridging divides and fostering a climate where differing viewpoints can coexist, challenge, and enrich the collective conversation. Part 6. The Iron Grip of Bureaucracy on Campus Freedom Imagine stepping into the world of higher education, seeking not just academic growth, but personal development. Yet, instead of finding a supportive community where you can openly share and navigate your struggles, 
you're met with a rigid directive. Keep your challenges to yourself or face consequences. This isn't a scene from a dystopian novel, but a reality faced by students at Northern Michigan University, where the administration's approach to mental health discussions sent a chilling message about the state of university life. At the heart of the issue is an ever-expanding bureaucratic system that, under the guise of safety and well-being, ends up constricting the very essence of university life. Universities, in their quest to create safe environments, have given rise to a culture of safetyism, where the slightest risks are mitigated at all costs. This ethos, while initially stemming from a place of concern, has led administrations to implement policies that, paradoxically, prioritize institutional liability over genuine student welfare. The case at Northern Michigan University offers a stark example. Students were dissuaded from confiding in their peers about their mental health struggles under the threat of disciplinary action, based on the assumption that such conversations could be burdensome or even harmful. The irony is palpable. In an environment that should foster open dialogue and peer support, students find themselves isolated by policy. But the ramifications of this bureaucratic oversight extend beyond mental health discourses. Consider the realm of political speech, traditionally vibrant and contentious on college campuses. Today, this space is fraught with ambiguous regulations that stifle expression. Take, for example, the policy from Jacksonville State University that forbade offending anyone on university property, a rule so broad and subjective it's practically unenforceable. While the intentions behind these regulations might stem from a desire to cultivate a respectful and harmonious campus environment, their implementation often achieves the opposite. The essence of university life, debate, discourse, and the free exchange of ideas is undermined by policies that seek to sanitize rather than stimulate. Moreover, by outsourcing the resolution of disputes and conflicts to bureaucratic mechanisms rather than encouraging direct dialogue and understanding among students, we risk depriving young people of crucial life skills. Navigating disagreements, reconciling diverse viewpoints and finding common ground are competencies that cannot be developed in an overly regulated environment. In the broader picture, the overreach of university bureaucracies not only dampens the vibrancy of campus life, but also signals a troubling trend. The prioritization of institutional self-preservation over the holistic development of its students. As universities increasingly resemble fortified bubbles rather than open forums, the challenge lies in reclaiming the core values of academic freedom, personal growth, and resilient community. Part 7. Empowering Tomorrow. Fostering Resilience and Open Minds in Our Youth. It's no secret that the narrative around American university life has shifted significantly. Gone are the days when colleges were revered as incubators of bold, independent thought. Instead, the focus has shifted towards a protective approach, often prioritizing safety and comfort over the challenging environments that nurture growth and resilience. However, the situation is not beyond repair. By embracing a proactive approach to fostering healthier mental habits, there's hope for a brighter future in academia and beyond. The essence of the solution lies in reshaping our approach towards cultivating young minds to embrace adversity, 
think critically, and respect the complexity of human interactions. Firstly, it's imperative to challenge the pervasive culture of safetyism. While the intention behind creating safe environments is commendable, an overemphasis on avoiding all risks does a disservice to youth development. Risks are not always the harbingers of disaster, but are often gateways to growth and learning. The adage, prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child, encapsulates the philosophy that resilience is best built through exposure to challenges rather than shielding from them. Furthermore, nurturing critical thinking skills is paramount. This involves encouraging young individuals to question their immediate reactions and assumptions, particularly concerning others' intentions. Not every word or action that causes offense is laden with malice, and learning to differentiate between perception and intention can mitigate unnecessary conflict and nurture healthier interpersonal relations. In addition, it's crucial to guide young people away from binary tribal thinking. The us versus them mentality oversimplifies the rich tapestry of human society and viewpoints leading to polarization and misunderstanding. Promoting empathy, understanding, and the acknowledgement of common humanity can pave the way for more inclusive and respectful discourse. Implementing these strategies requires concerted efforts from educators, parents, and society at large. It calls for a shift in paradigms, from viewing adversity as something to be avoided at all costs, to seeing it as a valuable teacher. It's about empowering the next generation with the tools to navigate the complexities of life with resilience, empathy, and an open mind. By adopting this proactive stance, we can aspire to reignite the spirit of intellectual bravery and freedom that colleges and universities once epitomized. It's about preparing young people, not just for academia, but for the unpredictability and challenges of life itself. Through such collective commitment, we can hope to cultivate a generation that's not only equipped to face adversity, but can also thrive amidst it and emerge stronger. Final summary. In a world increasingly characterized by overprotection and the avoidance of discomfort, the critical lesson that emerges is this. Shielding young people from life's obstacles undermines their development and preparedness for the future. Colleges and universities, traditionally seen as environments for growth, exploration and learning, have paradoxically become zones of excessive caution, where the motto seems to be safety first at the expense of intellectual and emotional resilience. The crux of fostering well-rounded, capable individuals lies not in creating sanitized spaces that steer clear of any potential discomfort, but rather in preparing them to navigate and tackle the complexities of life head-on. This approach hinges on instilling a sense of resilience and adaptability, urging students to seek out challenges as opportunities for growth rather than threats to their well-being. Moreover, a vital component of cultivating a generation apt at dealing with life's vicissitudes involves teaching empathy and understanding. By encouraging young people to extend the benefit of the doubt to others, particularly in interpreting intentions and words, we pave the way for more nuanced, compassionate interactions. This mindset not only enriches personal relationships, but also fosters a societal environment where differing viewpoints can coexist in constructive dialogue. Ultimately, 
the path forward demands a recalibration of our educational and parenting practices. Rather than insulating the young from the trials of life, the goal should be to equip them with the tools, mindset, and heart to face challenges head-on, learning, growing, and emerging stronger with each encounter. In navigating this delicate balance, we hold the key to unlocking the immense potential within each individual, preparing them not just for the academic world, but for the grand, unpredictable journey of life itself. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then, happy reading and happy listening.